With more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, we have a very special guest. We've had in the last couple of podcasts, Jason Potts, lieutenant with Vallejo PD here in the great state of California. Uh, Jason, we've been introducing you with your um, your agency affiliation. You're also affiliated with the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing. Much of the conversation we've had in the last several weeks with you has been about applications of that concept and POP and you know how law enforcement, um, while there's great value in the hinky detector or, you know, the BS detector or the mm-hmm. I got a gut feeling. There's huge value in that and there's time and place for it. But adding to that really data-driven decision-making on deployments of officers and, and policy and, and, and even law, making of law, um, tell me a little about the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing. And I, I know you guys uh, had a conference pretty recently, maybe discuss some of the things that you you talked about there so yeah we had our conference um in two in may may 21st of this year we had it at temple university in philadelphia um and again it's an evidence-based policing conference it's you know using the best available research and data to inform our decisions so in everything we do and what we're char- trying to target is those frontline officers we're pra- practitioners and a lot of times there's this thing called academics where we're also researchers and practitioners but that's for lack of a better word, sounds pompous, right? So we're just cops that are just doing some research and uh, we're figuring it out just like everyone else. And we're using the best available research and data to inform our decisions. We're drilling down on the problem in that pop Sarah kind of uh, concept. So we had our conference May 21st um, through the 22nd in Philadelphia. We have uh, approximately 250 members. So what's interesting about that, American Medical Association started in the you know, late 1800s with about the same number. Mm. Um, so we feel like we're having this, where there's a movement. Um, you know, and when was the organization founded? In 2015. So very, very young, right. very recent. Yeah. yeah. Not and like so, we're talking about ICP or something. Exactly. And Renee Mitchell is our president. And we have some, you know, I'm a, a board member and a co-founder as well. And uh, we have some really good folks on our board. Um, Renee Mitchell is a PhD at Cambridge University. She's a Sacramento uh, sergeant, and she's done some um, some great research on hotspot policing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another um, board member, Josh Young, that did a um, randomized control trial on the effectiveness of body cameras, and he, account- he called it contagious accountability. There's some stuff they did in Cambridge on that as well, which is really cool. And we had another board member, Greg Stewart, out of Portland, who did a thing called NILOC, where they were actually catting out hotspots so they're sending the officers to these they're catting those um, officers to locations during the hotspot times hmm. and uh, they've had some effect on that as well in, in having a community engagement there so it's, it's really cool so at our conference we had um, a chief's panel we had Jim Bierman um, Commissioner uh, Bard from Cambridge Massachusetts and Chief Ed Flynn um, spoke and Commissioner um, Richard Ross of Philadelphia Pennsylvania and then we had some we had our one of our um, supporters was the Laura and John Arnold Foundation. So it was really cool. And we did some predictive policing as well with Jerry Ratcliffe and um, Andrew Ferguson. 
Jim, when you're talking about this type of stuff with your students, um, how do you explain the the benefits of uh, coupling, you know, old school law enforcement, you know, tactics with strategies that are very new school, that are based on some pretty um, advanced, you know, research and, and advanced kind of high-minded thinking? Well, we need it. We need it in law enforcement today, and we need it for the law enforcement um millennials of the future, the people that are coming into policing, they want to see what it really means. They don't want to just take an order uh, and to, to just do it. It's not uh, the paramilitary organization that Jason and I came into. Uh, and and it, it satisfies the critics that think that police uh, only concentrate on uh, communities that, that um, can't, def- quote, defend themselves. So I think it, it lends credence, it lends credibility to policing. Um, it gives us uh, some evidence behind what we do. And um, I think the, the new student, you know, I've got 20, 22 year olds in my classes that appreciate the ideas behind policing. And um, I, I think it legitimizes us in the eyes of the public. So, Jason, we were talking earlier before I hit the record button about um, the officers who are probably most receptive to um, investigating the concepts and employing the concepts mm-hmm. of evidence-based policing. And we, we kind of talked about the fact that it's probable that the younger officer, the officer who's probably between 24 and 34, is more receptive. Um, a cop who's been on the job 10 to 15 years might be a little less receptive. Um, but it's those more senior officers, seasoned officers, if you will, um, who can really benefit and help benefit the department by adopting these concepts, right? Because they're in, potentially in leadership positions. You're a lieutenant. Um, you, you have a sergeant who's your president. Um, people who can influence policy in a meaningful way. I mean, the guys on the street, they can use all of the, the data and the research and the deployment of what they're doing. But they're still following orders from on high. How is it we can better educate, you know, the people who are in the deputy chief, like like Jim Dudley here, or in lieutenant position like yourself? I think we need to make it more digestible. Like some of the things that we talk about need to be digestible, meaning this, that we just can't throw out these esoteric terms, you know, these like regression analysis. So what we do in American Society of Evidence-Based Policing, when we do research, we have these one-pagers. BetaGov does it as well with these snapshots. Cops just don't have time to read lengthy regression analysis. Right. They, they don't care what a p-value is, right? right? So um, they just want to know, how does this make my job better? How, is, how do it make me more effective? How does it increase police legitimacy in my community? If you think about it, if you really drill down on that, that's really right. what it's about. And how do we increase those outcomes? So for far too long, we, we talked about outputs instead of outcomes. Outputs were how many arrests did you make? How many citations you made? I remember a, a rookie cop going, hey, this is your stat for the month. Hey, you right. made 30 arrests and 20 citations. Hey, this guy over here had 60. What's wrong with you? I mean, just throwing out numbers. But that's that. That's how we used to do things. Now we're looking at outcomes mm-hmm. and how do we digest it? What is how is that translatable to the average cop? So we're targeting that frontline officer, and it's basically it's basically practitioner led. What is it? How do we make it compelling to that to that officer rolling around at 3 a.m. on a graveyard or a dog watch shift? How mm-hmm. do we make it compelling to them? Mm-hmm. What is it that makes them? How do we incentivize that? Right. And that's the magic. What do we do? And I think you're on to you. You mentioned it is that those five to ten year cops 
they're the ones that are more receptive in my experience to this. The mm-hmm. other ones are more set in their ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, hey, I don't need you to tell me this academic BS. This is, I know what, how, where my crime is. I know where the hot spots are. I don't need you to tell me this. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and I think one of the things that it can be pointed out to leadership, um, particularly leadership who are visible to the public, uh, is this is, you know, you talk about outcomes. We want to make your neighborhood safer. Mm-hmm. We want to make this city a better place to live. We want to. We're not here to just go around arresting people arbitrarily and, right. and just locking people up. We're our our mission objective is not to arrest people. Our mission objective is to make your city safer. Mm-hmm. And if you can begin to reframe that with evidence and data and research and 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 stuff that because the the public wants to see the reason why, right? Yeah, it's they thinking don't, outside the box exactly. as well, and it actually empowers them because they feel like, hey, I'm been given this outcome hey you're responsible for this area they're thinking outside the box they're not kind of that reactive bureaucratic i'm going to tell you what to do you're going to do it it's creative it's a creative mindset mm-hmm. and i think there's some power in that and we're trying to tap into it and i don't know if you have any, any experiences with that as well Gene. yeah i mean i would only caution that there's a caveat when it comes to officer safety issues and i love the idea that most of these um cases are peer-reviewed that they are replicated and that they the results are are scrutinized. And the two things that come to mind are number one, de-escalation. And we've heard de-escalation uh, so many times through so many advocate groups, through so many uh, academics who say that officers need to de-escalate situations to save lives. And oftentimes it's it's a suspect who's just committed a crime may be armed with a weapon and now you're asking officers to to present themselves with a certain level of risk uh, to take these persons into custody without harm uh, to them. Uh, I think the other um, thing that I'm thinking about is uh, the Graham versus Connor objective reasonableness um, standard and you have a lot of critics looking at that saying well we need to change uh, the way officers react in situations. And in California, uh, there's legislation uh, presented that says they want a new standard of necessity. That is, yeah. there's a necessity, necessary, necessary force. Necessary force for officers to use force. And so we are essentially second guessing the police in the heat of the moment. And I think uh, then Supreme Court uh, Justice Rehnquist said it best when he said that, you know, we cannot second guess and judge officers after the fact when they are making these decisions of use of force in split second dynamic situations where where we the public are employing them to go out and handle our dirty workforce i mean he didn't say that but that that's my synopsis of what he said mm-hmm. yeah we need to do a better job of educating the community as well on what we can and can't do and i think I th- we fall short of that yeah and i think that evidence-based policing and concepts and the, the concepts of pop and everything else that we've been talking about mm-hmm. the, this last, last past few weeks that is the kind of stuff that you can send to a newsroom and they will actually go all right well okay i think i understand this they'll interview you but mm-hmm. you, it has to get out there it has to be published it has to be publicized it has to be spoken of um directly to community members themselves you know i mean even a cop on the beat can say hey look based on the research we did you know i'm going to be here in this parking lot because we're going to have uh you know likely we're going to have some uh, car break-ins christmas is in two weeks that's the reason i'm here i'm here to prevent that from happening right and just having that conversation has value 
Absolutely. And Cynthia Lum of George Mason University, she talks about this, but we are basically risk averse in policing to innovation and error. We just, and there's a great book out there, Matthew Saeed of Black Box Thinking. He talks about failure and how we need mm -hmm. to embrace failure and have to fail forward. We have, how do we know something works? We don't unless we test it. And, how, and this isn't about, when, and I haven't really mentioned this, but when we're doing these research, this practitioner-led research, this isn't about proving something works. This is about also proving something doesn't work. But fail forward, constantly swing the bat. That's why I tell yeah. our folks. Yeah. And you know, it's it's important that we. Um, and and all, for, for far too long, we. And Cynthia talks about this. Cynthia Lum talks about how we need to embrace evidence-based policing and, and embrace it in our in our cultures. Is we need to talk about it with the in academies. We need to talk about it in our field training program. We need to do it in promotional assessments. Um, all this needs to be in there. For far too long, we rely heavily on policies and procedures. Officers tested on Lexapol, for mm -hmm. example, and just what is it for, you know, your hair length or, you know, your uniform or policies and procedures. And what does that really do for you? Right. We can refer to that in a policy manual. But let's talk about what makes us better. How do we increase our legitimacy in the community? Yeah, that's really what it's about. How do we deter crime? Jason, as we get out of here, tell us um, about the website, how people can get involved with the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing. Yeah, so American Society of Evidence-Based Policing is AmericanSEBP.org or uh, .com. Um, and again, you know, membership's $40 for our conference next year. It will be in Cincinnati. Um, and the conference is typically $150. Um, and again, we had um, a lot of uh, great research. We had officer-led research. We had body cameras. Um, we had a lot of different uh, things at our last conference focused deterrence, and you mentioned that in a previous podcast with David Kennedy, um, and that was a great um, uh, discussion as well. So we're pretty happy with uh, where we're at with our American Society of Space Policing and where we're going. Again, frontline cops, digestible, and translating that for them to make it compelling. So go to that website, check them out. It's a great organization. Uh, if you have any questions you want to forward to Jason, you can send them to Jim and me at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> <laughs>